Welcome to Sober Shockingly, a podcast about the unexpected joys, tears, and surprises that come with sobriety. I'm Trina. I'm your host, a former messy party girl, mom of two, coach, and content creator. After becoming sober from alcohol, I unapologetically became obsessed with this up-leveled version of myself. So I decided to share my raw, honest, and sometimes shocking experience in this alcohol-free world. Join us for some relentlessly real conversations about sobriety. Let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Sober Shockingly. I'm your host, Trina, and I am here with my friend Haley. Hi. Hey. Hey. (laughs) So Haley is great. We met on Instagram (laughs) because Haley is like the queen of book reviews. I swear. Anytime I'm like, what am I going to read next? I just like go on her Instagram (laughs) and I'm like, oh, Haley read this. I should read this. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah, no, I seriously like anytime I'm in like a book rut, I'm like, Oh, I have a perfect person. I'll just like go on their page, see what they're reading. (laughs) (laughs) When I have a whole um, sobriety alcohol free highlight too, that I'm like adding all the Quitlet recommendations too. So, um, and like those reviews too, like a separate special place. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because I feel like that's how I got like re like when I was young, I read all the time. And then yeah. I found uh, Sober as Fuck, which is like my first sobriety book I ever read. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've just been like buying sobriety books. And then now I tra- I feel like I've read like a ton of them. So I'm transitioning back into like, like I'm reading Crescent City right now. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so like- I have to read that one. I'm, I'm in, I read all the A Court of Thorns and Roses books. So now I'm in throwing a glass and then I'm gonna start Crescent City next but I'm a little intimidated because they're so big literally like it's sitting there right next to me like it's huge <laughs> it's so big <laughs> um, I have them all I just haven't I just haven't read them yet but yeah I have friends that do like <clears throat> the tandem reads and I'm like how mm-hmm. are you doing that because like <laughs> I read yeah. A Court of Thorns and Roses too and it was so good if you guys haven't read it and you need something to do in sobriety, I'm telling you, get the series. It's so freaking good. It's the best. Sarah J. Moss is queen. It's Literally. so amazing. Did you like <laughs> just happen to fall upon like sober books or like, like how did you start reading Quitlet? The books are what made me quit. Like I literally finished quit like a woman and then quit the next day. Um, oh my gosh. So I love that. It was, it was the books, like obviously, because I'm a book blogger so. <laughs> the, so I can go through like the journey before then and then like it was the books if that perfect works so why don't you just like instead of us talking about Crescent City and the Court of Thorns and Roses because we could go all day <laughs> I could talk about it all about day that. <laughs> why don't you just like share a little bit about yourself your sobriety journey whatever feels good to you so everyone can kind of sure. get to know you sure so um I started drinking when I was 16 and I went to Spain for a foreign exchange trip uh, because in Spain, the drinking age is 16. So just like, I didn't drink before that. And I was like, oh no, drinking is wrong. I don't drink. 
but um, yeah, I started drinking in Spain and it was just what we did for fun. We go out to the <clears throat> bars there and um, I just, that was the lifestyle I picked up there. And then when I came back to the US, I was like, well, this is, why can I not keep drinking here? Like the drinking age is 16 over there. So um, I kind of started hanging out with a new group of friends and drinking um a lot on the weekends like I just go to the like the keg parties parties in a field like house parties just all of I started like the high school um party scene um and during that time I like I became really depressed and like looking back on it now I was like maybe alcohol was actually a component in that too since alcohol is a depressant like but um, at the time it wasn't, you know, I didn't know that. So um, I became pretty depressed in high school and that went on for a while. And I was sort of like leading this double life where I'd be really depressed during the week. And then on the weekends, I would pretend to be like super fun, happy Haley and go out and like basically drink to like escape that like darkness and the depression. Um, so that was that was difficult but like I finally got on like the right combination of like antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds and just started working a lot more and I um basically kind of I I came out of that phase or not phase I came out of the depression in probably around in my early 20s so around 20 21 um and that's when I started like the whole drinking 21 year old phase like going to the bars going to the clubs doing the shots like I was in college and like that was just what you I mean that was what we did and that was and it wasn't like a big component of my life like I didn't drink in a way um I drank you know a couple times a week but it wasn't like taking up space I wasn't thinking about it a lot it was like just drinking socially whereas in high school it did become like drinking up my emotions and depression to escape um but once I sort of when I once I moved out of the depression it was definitely like a social thing uh again and I then went on to law school where I was also just drinking socially a few times a week like at beer league darts or law school softball or law school prom or whatever there was a lot of boozing (laughs) they're very boozy like I think lawyers I was reading about how um lawyers have actually like twice the national rate um of like the average national rate of alcohol use disorder um I think it's like one out of five lawyers yeah show up with alcohol use disorder. So I actually have to like take a continuing legal education course every year on like substance abuse, alcohol use disorder to keep my license. So it's like a, it's definitely a thing. thing like it wasn't taking up too much space in my life. It was social. I didn't, I didn't like regret how I drank during that time really. It wasn't um, like in my early twenties, I definitely had some, I drank too much. I was hung over like binge drinking days, like when I was 21, 22, but um yeah it just wasn't I didn't really have too much regrets it didn't really feel like a problem at all then um 
And then uh, I moved to North Carolina um, with my husband. Like After law school, my husband got a job in North Carolina and we moved here. And I was like on my five-year plan. I was like, all right, I'm going to get married. I'm going to like graduate law school. I'm going to pass the bar. And now like the next step is to have a kid by 30. And like, this was my like going down, like checking all the boxes. This is what we're going to do. And so I got pregnant with my twins and they came at 23 weeks. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So um, my son Connor lived for three days and then he passed. Um, And my daughter, Abby, she fought to live in the NICU for nine months she was born like one pound seven ounces yeah so like when they were born I mean they asked me do you want to revive them because and they said if they had come like five days earlier they wouldn't have even asked that question oh my Um, gosh that's crazy yeah so it was just like a very traumatic time and I mean she was this just tiny little fetus basically on a ventilator and it was day to day like we did not know if she was gonna make it till tomorrow like for months um and it was just I mean it was just like a waking nightmare like it was just um so traumatic and I she was yeah she was on a ventilator she had septic infections surgeries um it was just a daily fight for life like I didn't get to hold her for the first time till she was two months old because she was just so sick so yeah, that was really traumatic. And it was during that time that I definitely started my, um, mind you, I never like drank during pregnancy or anything, but, um, during that time I started my like two drinks a night, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to do too much, but I'm going to do like just enough to take the edge off and like escape mm-hmm. this and just like not feel the, these feelings. So that was the start of that um and it went on like that she finally came home at nine months um after nine months in the NICU and she came home on like oxygen she had an oxygen tank she had a feeding tube um like an NG feeding tube on her face like um so she came home on a feeding pump all sorts of medications um and I brought her home and it was just this I mean she had all kinds of physical therapy occupational therapy um, speech therapy feeding therapies so you know she was just this little I mean she was adorable this little like baby with she had a little nasal cannula but then she also had these little pink glasses too um, because she needed glasses (laughs) she got glasses around one Um, but yeah it was a very intense time and I was definitely using alcohol to just nightly alcohol those two drinks to deal with that anxiety and stress of the day-to-day um of having a kid like with all these special needs came off the oxygen at 13 months she came out the feeding tube at 18 months she didn't walk till she was two and a half she didn't speak till she was three um but my son was born full term when she was two years old and he was just 
I don't want to say he was a terror, but he was just, <laughs> he was kind of a terror. I mean, he was this giant, like the complete opposite, full term, like nine pound, four ounce baby, just like giant baby. Mm-hmm. And he just screamed and cried all the time. And even as a toddler, he just screamed and cried and was just very demanding. So I had like one kid who was super intense and demanding and the other kid who had just like so many special needs and I think like during that time is definitely when like I was still sticking to that two drink a night plan I was like this is our plan but it was it definitely started to be used like I needed it it wasn't like it it just became more of like a critical okay I need to get to five o'clock so that I can like have this my mommy juice and like unwind like I got really deep in that whole mommy wine culture and you know they wine I wine and (laughs) I had all the kitschy like awful like tea towels and coasters and um, mugs like there may be wine in here like I was just fully into that mommy wine culture was like this is my personality all my friends were into (laughs) it like you know it was like you give it as gifts and it's Mm -hmm. cute and funny and cool and like that's what we do and it's like yeah this is you know this is good and this is how we deal with motherhood and by the way like I just want to throw this in um it's not about the wine by Celeste Yvonne kind of like this is her big thing of what um that book is about is you know it's like how there's this systemic like lack of support for women during motherhood and like society is like here here's the cute mommy here's the wine here's the mommy wine culture stuff like this Mm -hmm. is how you deal with your the stress of motherhood so I highly recommend that book um I read that book too and it was like so crazy that as mothers we are like (laughs) targets for raising kids like it really so I definitely retweet love it I definitely yes (laughs) yes the dang alcohol industry um (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, I'm going on the mommy wine culture thing and I get, I would say, so then I had my, I gave, I got pregnant with twins again. Like who, I mean, it's like getting struck by lightning twice. I was like, how did those, I don't know. Um, so I had my twin girls in 2017 and they were full term Um, But it was so scary because I was told with the first pregnancy, like you went into premature labor because you were pregnant with twins. And that's the only thing they really could figure out about it, um, of why I gave birth so early. So um, it was very scary, but yeah, they came full term. So all of a sudden I'm like, I'm here in North Carolina. Like we don't have any family or anybody nearby. And it was me with uh, two infants, a three-year-old and a five-year-old with special needs. And I was just like, and the three-year-old was still <laughs> in his wild child phase. <laughs> so it was intense. It was like, you go to the grocery store and people would be like, oh, bless your heart. Or I don't know how you do that. Or, you know, it was just really intense um, during that time. So of course like it's intense. So we drink the wine and I had the whole like alcohol testing strips, um, to make sure the wine wasn't in my like breast milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it was like all these, and those are expensive too, but it was like <laughs> all these hoops that, you know, I keep jumping through to be able to continue um, drinking. So 
Yeah, I stayed in the Mabe wine culture and those two nightly drinks. And I would say it wasn't until like 2020 or so, like the pandemic, where Mm -hmm. I started to be uncomfortable with it. Like I started to be like, all right, this isn't, this isn't good. Like I've been doing this for a long time. I'm now clearly using this to deal with my anxiety. Like we just need to cut back. We just need to moderate. It's fine. Like we'll just moderate. Like we'll drink every other day. Maybe we'll just drink on the weekends. Like I'll just, I'm going to figure it out. So I tried that. Um, I, I had wine glass measuring cups. Um, I just, I tried all the tricks. I was like, maybe I need to switch to white cloths instead of wine. So there's not like the open bottle hanging out in my fridge beckoning me. Um, so I, I tried all the moderation tricks and moderation, like mental gymnastics, and it just failed every single time. And I would just end up right back in that two drink a night pattern because I just couldn't I would just get too anxious like in the evening and that was my like self-medicating I felt like that's what I needed to unwind at the end of the day and so that just led to like a really negative sort of feedback loop or this negative loop of like try to moderate fail at moderate this negative self-talk like why did you fail why can't you do this what's wrong with you and then end up in the target wine aisle like oh well you don't like really have a problem like you can keep going with this it's fine like you're good like you don't really have a problem um and it like when you do the math on it like two a night sounds moderate but when you do the math of on it over a week it's like three bottles of wine so if I told you I was like (laughs) chugging three bottles of wine every Friday you'd be like "Mm, maybe we should look at that (laughs) and I feel like I don't know about you but like my wine measuring skills were not accurate to a serving size (laughs) like at all (laughs) I'd be like yeah I had one glass but it would be like a full like cup not like Oh I, <laughs> I did that in law school I had the giant glasses that could like hold a whole bottle and I just fill it up and yeah like, oh. and like, one glass <laughs> yeah but no like I was super OCD about it though in my mommy wine phase and mm-hmm. part of the reason I didn't mention this but part of the reason I was always so controlling over it was because I have like a lot like a history of alcoholism in my family and alcohol use disorder like my my parents would always be like when I was growing up, like, or when I was in high school or my twenties, they'd be like, you got to be careful. You know, your grandfather was an alcoholic and you know, we have this in our family and you just like, you got to watch it. You have that Irish gene. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was just always very, I was always thinking about that and that two drink limit actually came from the U.S. dietary guidelines because I looked at that I was like I googled all the time like how much is safe to drink a day <laughs> or like how much is safe for a woman to drink and like the U.S. dietary guidelines says like one for a woman a day and two for a man a day so I was like I'm six feet tall like I'm taller than most men and like this is just the patriarchy trying to hold me back so I'm just going to drink at like the men's guidelines so um that's what I did and it was 
like it turns out it wasn't it's like not the patriarchy it's actually science that like women have more fat which retains the alcohol and less water which dilutes alcohol and then less of this metabolic enzyme which processes the alcohol so like there really is a quicker descent into like physical liver disease and all kinds of issues versus men which I didn't know then but um that was my reasoning for like I'm gonna do the two glasses because I'm just gonna drink like a man like they're not gonna they're not gonna hold me back um but yeah I was not like it was not easy to keep it at that two glasses because you know they talk about alcohol like most people hit your like you hit your tolerance and then you have to drink more and more to get the same effect and I definitely hit that some nights where I just wouldn't get the buzz and the come down I was looking for and I'd be like that's fine we'll just try again tomorrow like or we'll try like white claw or we'll try white wine instead of red or red instead of white so or maybe like I don't I need to like not eat as much before I drink or you know it was like playing games like how can I keep it at this like to drink habit and not go up and up and up um so yeah it was but it was just it took up so much mental space like trying to figure out what I needed to drink um like what I needed to do how I was going to moderate like I just thought about it so much I was unhappy with how I was drinking and I couldn't moderate it down and then like I knew things like looking forward to it you know especially if I'd had a stressful day like I knew that wasn't good like I shouldn't be like going to pick the kids up in the carpool line like yes I almost it's almost like wine time I get to drink during that witching hour (laughs) (laughs) I would Um, call it like meal prepping because I did kind of the same thing too I was like oh what did I do today and how much can I drink and it was like meal prepping to get drunk kind of (laughs) like you're just like thinking about it you're like oh I have this this and this I'll do like this much today this much tomorrow (laughs) yeah and I would literally I think I like adjusted my I would some days like adjust my food to eating after so that I would just feel those glasses like I so I would feel it more I would be like okay I'll just I'll just have a little breakfast and then I'll wait (laughs) in the evening (laughs) and then eat after I drink but yeah I was always trying to play around and see like because yeah I definitely hit that threshold where I, I wasn't feeling the alcohol as much um so anyways this went on for a while but I I feel like I started that awareness in like around 2020 um and I didn't so I didn't mention this but my husband he's actually like a he has a PhD in neurobiology and he actually did his PhD on how alcohol affects like neurotransmitters in the brain and like the reward center um oh my gosh so, that's so interesting yeah he like literally did a PhD in this oh um gosh. I was like are you studying me <laughs> um, <laughs> um but he like doesn't drink and he's only like part of the reason he doesn't drink like he used to in college but he hasn't 
And then he would have like the occasional like take it or leave it drinker thing like ever since I met him um, like 17 years ago. So now it's like he quit drinking altogether, like even gave up the take it or leave it stuff like six or seven years ago. Um, just because he was like, yeah, Haley, it's such a dirty drug. Like it just like if you look at what it does, it gets into like every single system in the body and like all the cells. It's not. Like he was like, I didn't want to be drinking that. It's like he saw yeah. maybe everyone should just look at how, how, what it does under a microscope and they won't <laughs> want to drink as much. The problems will be cured. <laughs> yes. So like he was sending me articles during this time because I would say like 2020s is when he started. He would just send me articles about like studies that they were finding with alcohol, like how even moderate drinking, you know, can lead to these heart disease, even moderate drinking um, increases your risk of all these cancers. Like he would just be sending me articles and I'd always like Google and find the like one old article that was like, no, but wine is heart healthy and helps you live longer. Like, <laughs> like see, it's from this study from like 1988. Like, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just not ready to hear that information and he never like he was never like oh I'm worried about you you have a problem because like I like during this whole time I I mean I didn't I hadn't been drunk in a decade like I just would but it was like I couldn't go a day without it too like if we were at the zoo in the evening I'm like oh it's 5 30 or it's five o'clock like I wonder if any of these popcorn stands like serve beer like I felt like I you know, like I, or the children's museum, like had a, I would, I remember getting beer there, like when it was five o'clock, cause they had like a little beer garden area at the children's museum. Um, I did the same thing. So I was like, what can we do where they're like, the kids will have fun, but like, I'll yes. have fun <laughs> yes. at the same time. And looking back, it's so odd. The places that they like literally target parents with it's everywhere. Alcohol. Yeah, it's everywhere. I feel like, and when you stop, it's like you step out of the matrix and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like the sixth sense. Like, I see drunk drinking people. Like, <laughs> sort of, I see that people. Like, it's just, it's everywhere. And you don't see it before, but now it's like I see it everywhere. Like, TV, like every TV show, every book. Like, so yeah, it's, it's everywhere. Um, but yeah, at the time I just was, I had to have it every single night at that time. And, um, it, I didn't want to, um, need it anymore. I wanted to want it and be able to like do it socially. And that wasn't what it was for me anymore. And <clears throat> I was reading the articles and seeing all this and, just unhappy with my drinking for years but I just felt like I didn't qualify for sobriety like I didn't meet the threshold I was like well I'm not like I haven't hit any sort of rock bottom I like I haven't even been drunk in 10 years like how am I going to get sober if I haven't been drunk like I would just have all these like okay you know I don't actually have a problem but like I still knew like deep down that I had a, it was a problem for me mm -hmm. um and the way I was using it, like, I just, I just knew it was a problem. Um, so finally I get to like 2023 and 
the WHO came out and said, you know, my husband sent me the article where the WHO World Health Organization comes out and says, like, not a drop is safe. Like in terms of your health, not a drop of alcohol is recommended. And I was like, but I swear y'all were saying a few years ago <laughs> that it was heart healthy. Like my two glasses of wine, one or two glasses that it was good for me. And what was that all about? Like, how are we here now? And even Canada like changed their guidelines at that time where they said um, they like followed the science over the last five years and said um, the they changed the recommendation from like 10 to 15 drinks a week to max two drinks a week for like in turn for low risk to your health. Um, so they changed their dietary guideline recommendation. So I was just like, that was very shocking to me. Um, and that I was like, mm, well, I'm still fine because the U.S. says like <laughs> one or two drinks. So I'm yeah. just going to like listen to that. It's like the I think it's like the 2020 or 2025 um, guideline. So um, I just kept drinking and I got to this. So I didn't talk about this, but I did have a few days a year. It would maybe be like two or three days a year where I would have like effort days where I just, it'd be like effort a family days. party. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be a family party or like, yeah, my mom and dad might be listening to this. So I don't, <laughs> I don't want to say the actual word. Same but, thing. Um... I just did a podcast today and I'm like, mom, I swear. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I do actually swear, but um, <laughs> yeah. So I would have these effort days where I would, you know, maybe I just like take my foot off the brake and it's like three to four glasses over like four or five hours that I'm hanging out at some family party instead of two, instead of like my two glasses. So maybe I just like I'm not paying attention too much and I still wouldn't get drunk drunk but I would just get a little more buzz be like ah, like super happy friendly social Haley so I would have these effort days and I'd also have effort days on like the anniversary of my son's death um so like really emotional um you know like feelings like we don't want like too many feelings days that you need to drink at those so um my uncle passed away in June and it was just it just hit me really hard like my um my dad had been there and my cousin called me and was just I mean just I mean sobbing because of course it's her dad um and that just all it hit me um so I went and got the 1.5 liter like the big bottle of wine and I was like, all right, we're going to have an effort day. And then the next day, like the next, like by the next night, like my husband was looking in the fridge and he was like, did you just drink two bottles of wine over two days? I was like, no, I don't. It's one and a half liter. That's one and a half bottles of wine. Like we're good. Like, I mean, I just had an effort day. Like, don't worry. Um, and it like, it actually is two bottles of wine it's not one and a half but um <laughs> um so I looked at that and I was like 
enough. Like, it's just enough. Like, I don't care if society or my friends or my family, like, if no, if everyone else looks at my two drinks, you know, and thinks like, oh, that's not a problem. Like, I know it's a problem. And I take my foot off that brake for like one or two days and I start drinking a bottle a night and not even like realizing it. Like, it's enough. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so when I like have a, yeah, like I read like a hundred books a year or so. So when I have a problem with anything, I, um, read at it to just figure it out, like, like parenting or anxiety, or if I'm ever in a funk and I need some like self-help, I just, I like read up my problems. So I was like, this is a problem. We're just going to read our way out of it. Um, so I did, I did that. Like I first, I got drink by Ann Dowsett Johnston, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, oh, okay. I kind of like opened the door and then I got quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker. And oh my gosh, like that, that book just I mean, I feel like it just blew up like all my notions of what like drinking and what having a problem with alcohol or a problematic relationship with alcohol, like what that is or what that looks like. Or, I mean, she just tore down the whole like black and white dichotomy, like the normies on this side, the alcoholics on that side. And that's all, you know, you hit rock bottom on that side and everyone else can just drink and it's totally fine. Um, And I was just so like, that book just shook me. I have a quote from it that I feel like, can I read the? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Share it. (laughs) I feel like it just like sums up the whole book pretty well. Um, So she says, drinking is so normalized and so unquestioned that we have essentially drawn a line down the middle and put people on one side or the other. There are normal drinkers and there are alcoholics. For the normal drinkers, alcohol is healthy. For the alcoholics, alcohol is bad. And I feel like her book just like tore down for me that whole way of thinking. She's like, no, like alcohol is linked to seven different types of cancer and alcohol really messes with your sleep and alcohol messes with your anxiety. And like, here's all like, causes heart to raises your risk of heart disease. Like here's all of these things that like alcohol is doing to your body. Um, and she just, just the way she, um, I feel like when I hear people talk about quitting drinking in the sobriety community, cause I listen to a ton of podcasts and people's sober stories. I feel like the books I hear come up over and over again are like quit like a woman the snake in mine, and then we are the luckiest, which are by, you know, quit like a woman, Holly Whitaker, the snake in mine, Amy Grace, and we are the luckiest, Laura McCowan. And I feel like those women really like were there. I mean, they started, I think Holly Whitaker quit and started her Tempest thing back in like 2012. Um, but I feel like they just kind of tore down this notion of like alcoholic versus normie like of it being this black and white and being like no there's this whole like gray area and there's it's this whole spectrum and there's 
it's not what you know society portrays it as yeah I think Um, they really helped introduce people to like the fluidity that is sobriety like I think mm -hmm. even when I first got sober it was like oh like are you bad enough are you good enough like whatever and then as I started learning more and more I'm like there's so many different like aspects to sobriety like sometimes people are sober and they just don't like maybe they've had one drink and they knew it would affect them and so now they're sober and I feel like in the past people like that they would we would like tear down and be like oh you're not bad enough blah 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 but like yes sobriety is a personal experience yes yeah and it's all just like I felt like I didn't meet some threshold and I felt like hey if I like I just felt like I didn't qualify I was like if I go into an AA room with this story like are they gonna like just kick me out like for literally <laughs> like, they're like you don't have a problem get out of here and I, I like I thought that and I actually asked my friend because that was just my like assumption of why I like part of why I couldn't quit because I was like well if you quit you have to go to AA and I just don't like I don't think I could go there because I think they would laugh me out of the room or just be like what why are you here um but when I asked my friend about it, I explained he's been in AA for like over a decade and is, goes there really, you know, regularly. Um, and when I asked him about it, he was like, no, Haley, anybody with a desire to quit drinking is welcome in AA, like always, like wherever you are, if you have a desire to quit drinking, you're welcome in there. So my assumption that they would laugh me out of the room, like wasn't correct and he was like actually your stories about thinking about it like being excited about it later in the day or planning for it or trying to moderate and failing but at that he was like those would definitely resonate like with people in those rooms like they would hear that so Mm -hmm. I mean that wasn't what the direction I went in but it was just nice to know that like oh I did qualify all along (laughs) I just I did it (laughs) Yeah, I I passed this like I passed the test. So, um but yeah, I I read her book and I was also just so angry um that I felt like I had been like duped by the alcohol industry, the 1.6 trillion dollar alcohol industry and our government and society being like, "Here's how you deal with your stress." just drink the wine haha <laughs> mommy wine culture it's funny um and I just I just kind of felt like I had been tricked and I was so so angry um I think like rage is probably the main thing that led me to quit um Ooh, I like that. and yeah <laughs> I think it's what and I'm still angry. Like, I'm still so angry. Um, I mean, it's like, how do they get away with, like, we know now the science over the last five years is like, um, I always recommend like the Huberman Lab podcast to everyone from 2022, which was the most, it was the most shared podcast episode of 2022, that episode on alcohol, but where he, it's like a two hour long episode, but he just goes through how alcohol affects every single system in the body. And the 
thing about it was is that he's not talking about like if you're getting drunk or if you're binge drinking he's just talking about like habitual one to two drinks a night like drinking within the u.s dietary guidelines and how that leads to like um higher stress levels interrupts your sleep um like it thins the neocortex in your brain like all kinds of negative health outcomes which i just i mean i feel like people just don't know and um i didn't know like so i learned all that and i just kept going deeper and deeper down that sobriety rabbit hole um and just getting like more and more angry <laughs> like how does the alcohol get away like we know all this now how do they get away the alcohol industry get away with like um not having any warning labels about any of this like it's a class one like a group one carcinogen along with cigarettes and asbestos like how does the warning label on alcohol just say don't drink if you're pregnant or drink responsibly or like may cause health issues. Like, and how does it not say that like it's a group one carcinogen and like we know it leads to like 6% of cancer deaths are from alcohol. Um, so like, how is this not out there? And like, I saw this um, survey recently that said, it was like only 30, about 30% of people um, believe that alcohol raises your risk of cancer. And oh then gosh. only about 39% know that it raises your risk of heart disease. So it's like the majority of Americans do not know that alcohol raises your risk of cancer and heart disease. And meanwhile, if you ask them about tobacco use, 93% know that- yeah, that it raises your risk of cancer. So it's like, how is this information? That's what I'm so angry about. Just that like our government and the alcohol industry and just like society that I just feel like they failed all of us, like give people the information and let them make their own decisions. Um, mm -hmm. And it just makes me very angry. <laughs> so rage. Yeah, rage led me to quit. Um, <laughs> thank you, Holly Whitaker. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I just like going back to when I was finishing that book. Um, this was July. It was like July second, um, and I that was my last drink was July second. So I'm seven months sober now, Ooh. but yeah <laughs> I was finishing that book and um I was already like oh I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do it I think I'm gonna quit this time and my my mom we were having like a family party with some family over and my mom brought out like the good champagne she was filling up all our glasses and my son goes gimme can I have some he's nine I was like can I have some and it's like this pretty pink bubbly in our champagne flutes and it, my brain I just went no like no it's like one of those moments that you have in life where there's like a before and after and I was just my mom's like oh haha I could I would but it's illegal haha and I just was it was just like in that moment I felt like all these 
the puzzle pieces like just shifted into place and like I remembered all the other times um like when I had been drinking at home in front of them in the evening for my like you know my evening two glasses and he would like he's my perceptive kid like he was my wild child but he's also super perceptive and tune into my emotions and he would like watch me and he would see me get anxious and stress and he'd see that build and build and build and then how did I deal with it I would drink the wine and then I'd come down and I'm fun mommy and nice mommy and I'm chill Mm -hmm. and it's all good and he saw that and so that wasn't the first time he had asked for to try the wine he had asked maybe I don't know four or five times prior he had asked that and like not looking back at it like in that moment I was like of course he's asking because he saw like this is how we deal with stress this is how we deal with anxiety if we're feeling overload what does mommy do she just opens the wine and has a couple glasses and then she feels better. And like he had been watching that. And before I just kind of dismissed when he asked about it, like it was whatever, it's just kids being kids. But like, no, he he saw that. And so when he asked that to my mom, I was that was like the moment where I was like, no, I'm done. Like this is it, I'm done. Right after I finished the good stuff that's in my glass, because it's the good stuff and I can't like dump it down the sink, then for sure I am done. So I did that. I finished. Um, and like, that was my last drink. And then July 3rd was the first day I was like sober, alcohol-free, whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, it was right before it was my independence day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, so how do you think your life like changed after getting sober? I know like at the beginning you spoke a lot about like, you know, getting over the depression and obviously like I feel for you, like you've had a lot of trauma and like Mm -hmm. in motherhood, like what does it look like since July 3rd? Yeah. So um, right away, I feel like I was just thrown into like all those firsts So it was like first, a few days after I was at my mom's house, we went to Ohio and there was like a 50th anniversary party. And I feel like I hear this a lot where people say, oh, I can't, I can't do like dry January or a dry break or whatever, sober October or whatever, because like I have a wedding or I have a party or I have this or that coming up or a vacation. And like, I was just immediately thrown into all all those things. Because I went to, like, a few days after I decided this, I was at a 50th anniversary party, and there's just alcohol everywhere. And I'm like, no, like, I just immediately, I I know people have different comfort levels on whether they're willing to talk about, um, whether they share this or not. But I, like, immediately just told everyone, like, no, I'm done. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And so, uh, and then right after that, I had a... Like my mother-in-law had people over, um, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and their kids and everybody over at their house. And that was always traditionally one of my effort days where me and my mother and sister-in-law would all share like a bottle or two of wine. And I was like, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm done. 
So like I was immediately thrown into that. There was no like, oh, well, I got to worry about this thing in the future. It was like right away, like I'm going to just draw my line and be like, I'm, I don't do that anymore. Um, and then right after that, it was like I went to my uncle's funeral, like the celebration of life. And there was a champagne toast and I like dumped out the champagne, poured La Croix, like did it with that, like just. And then after that, it was the 11th anniversary of my son's death. Um, where, and that was always an effort day where I drink at my, you know, grief. Um, and I, that's the day where like every year I take 11. So this year I took 11 white roses, um, to the river where we spread his ashes. Cause I always take, um, the number of white roses for whatever year, for whatever birthday you just had. So, um, that's sweet. Yeah. And it's just like a very emotional day, um, obviously. So I got through that, uh, like the biggest grief, the biggest, hardest emotions, and I didn't drink. Um, and I had a wedding that I went to in early December and it was great and beautiful. And then there was amazing food. And then it was like, about nine o'clock and everybody has been drinking for four or five hours and is tearing up the dance floor and I was just like what I'm gonna go up to my hotel room and read like I'm good um and I had a Christmas party that I was super nervous about um like I was like can I I felt like I was going to have like a full out anxiety attack like I felt like I was just we were driving there I felt like my heart was going to just beat out of my chest I was so anxious thinking about socializing with like co-workers without um, my husband's co-workers without any alcohol and I got in there and it was it was a little I felt a little anxious and awkward at first but then it was amazing like I just mm -hmm. was chatting with everyone social butterfly like I met new people was like having all these fun conversations with them and it was fantastic. Like I had a great time, like, and I did not need the alcohol. Um, so yeah, I mean, the main thing that I've just, I learned was like, you don't have to drink at your, like, I, I don't have to drink at my feelings. Like I can feel them. I can get through them. And, um, I, you know, and I can like process them and give myself what I need. And then I don't have to drink to be social. Like if I'm in a social situation now, if it's people I want to talk to, like I will figure it out. I'll be social. Like I will, um, you know, I'll still have a great time. Um, and sometimes if it's people who are maybe they're really inebriated and I don't really want to talk to them then I'll just leave and go read my book <laughs> um but yeah I just um you know and the hardest thing to navigate them was like the witching hour mm -hmm. um what do you do when it hits five o'clock and your kids are being wild and you know and the anxiety is building 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 and 
they're just not listening. Um, like, what do you do then? And honestly, like the first, I'd say month or so, like that was really hard. Um, because my brain would go reach for the wine. No, we don't do that anymore. So I, one of the things I did is I would reach for like a mocktail instead, like a fever tree. Um, they have those tonics that are flavored like grapefruit or lemon. And I would pop, pop the bottle top off one of those <laughs> and it go flying. Like it was a beer or a smear off and I chug it. It was especially stressful day. Um, so I substitute in those, but then also like boundaries are awesome so I have <laughs> like known. um like I found that you know I had been drinking in the evening to like escape and just sort of tolerate that stress and um so like I would call my kids for dinner and I call once twice three times four times and they'd be just blowing me off like being all wild and like old Haley would have just popped open the wine, had a couple, had had a glass, then called like a sixth time, seventh time, like just would have kept going um, until they came. But new Haley like might, like I might get irritated and actually like yell at them a little. I may be like, <laughs> hey, you got to respect me. Like you can't yeah. just like, you know, blow me off and like disrespect me like that. Come in here right now. And like, that's okay. Like, it's okay to like set a boundary and ask for respect. Or I'll be like, sometimes now if they're, it's being too out of control and it's feeling too overwhelming, I'll be like, hey, I'm putting the timer on. You guys all read for 20 minutes. I'm going to go like read a book or fold laundry or just like walk away for a little while. Bye. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to drink and like, you know yeah just to dull those emotions like I can the greatest thing about sobriety has been like asking myself what do you need and like giving myself what I need rather than just drinking to dull those uncomfortable feelings or emotions or whatever like their feelings they will pass um and yeah. And the, the emotions that the trauma, like that will always be there. Um, but there's therapy for that. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, kind of on this topic, I just want to ask, uh, before we run out of time, I don't want to forget. Mm-hmm. So like, I know you said like all these things are better in sobriety. Um, what do you think is the most like genuinely shocking thing about sobriety that you've experienced okay so the most shocking thing is definitely um like how incredibly supportive literally everyone everyone I've told has been like I have not gotten any negative feedback I haven't gotten anyone trying to push me to drink and like I know that that's not necessarily the norm like when I was reading I reread quit like a woman recently Mm -hmm. and Holly talks about how like you will lose friends like there will be people who don't like this like new version of you that doesn't drink like this will happen and like I am and I know it does happen a lot but like for me it literally just it it did not happen like 
I oh, went through awesome. <laughs> yeah I told I would like take a friend out to dinner and I'd be like all right be really nervous like okay I got it I gotta tell you something <laughs> like all right I'm not drinking anymore and they would like the ones who drink would be like oh that's great like I'm so proud of you that's amazing and the funny thing is is like several of my friends were like oh yeah I don't drink either like I just don't drink and I, and I was like what do you what do you mean like we had brunch the other day and I was like oh that was me drinking the mimosa or like, that, was, <laughs> that was me having a wine with dinner and like I had no idea that like like I'm hi it's me I'm the problem it's me like I had no idea that it was like I had actually been the only one drinking with some of my like good friends like it was just me and they were like already sober like they just they didn't they just didn't like drinking so they had like maybe one a year or something but so that was surprising <laughs> I, I just so assumed funny. I wasn't paying attention I just assumed they were drinking with me so um yeah just and I told you know I told Instagram at one month and I started making like this you know, sober highlight on my profile and sharing stories. And I made some reels, but I told Instagram at one month and then I made a reel about it at two months. And I was so nervous because in the like book blogger community, bookstagrammer community, it's, I would say probably like, a, I mean, I went through one day just looking and I, I mean, I'd say probably like a quarter to a third of um, the book bloggers. It's a lot have, um, alcohol or booze or wine or reading with wine or whatever like they have that in either their handle or their bio like it's the two are just very integrated mm -hmm. in the book blogger community as like a hobby and I did it too I have reels with me and books and wine and it was a thing um, and I'm not like coming for anybody else I'm not trying to take anybody's wine away like I just believe in informed consent and everybody knowing the information and doing whatever they, you know, want to do with that. But um, I was like, I'm going to tell people about this and they're going to come for me. Like they're, I'm going to get attacked. So I went to like my little, my like groups of virtual book club groups and my uh, different chat groups. I was like, Hey guys, you just have my back. I'm going to like make this, I'm going to post this real. I'm really nervous that people are going to come after me and attack me or not like this so I posted the reel where you know about like quit like a woman and my sobriety and everything and it was all positive supportive like that's amazing good for you or people being like yeah I'm sober too or I cut back recently and like and the most surprising thing with that is that like um when I shared that and still when I share alcohol, like stories about my sobriety or alcohol, which are always like the most viewed stories, um, like the people who are the most supportive are the people with like reading with wines or like the people with like wine or alcohol in their handle or in their bio. And like, they've been so supportive. And a lot of them have reached out to me and been like, yeah, I few months ago I reevaluated my own drinking and I quit or I cut back or I just took a look at it and I'm taking a dry break or whatever and I'm like that's awesome 
Um, but yeah, that was definitely the most shocking thing is just how incredibly supportive everyone has been. And like, I just literally have not, I, I haven't had a single person give negative feedback. Um, I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a testament to how you like, even while you were drinking, you like made your circle, um, like the types of people you were connecting yourself with, I think are quality yes. people. <laughs> yeah. I was the problem. I was the one <laughs> drinking. I didn't even know they weren't. I wasn't even paying attention. It's like, you just were literally drinking orange juice. My head, my had champagne. Um, <laughs> we Um, do kind of have to wrap it up soon yeah but before we do that what Mm -hmm. um advice final words anything about your story you want to like leave everyone with yeah okay I have a little tidbit for that (laughs) so (laughs) I love the word tidbit it always makes me feel like I'm like five years old (laughs) such a good word (laughs) um so I'll just and with this, so I was at um, the grocery store the other day um, with the whole family went and my son uh, came up to me. We were in the like soda and juice aisle. My son came up to me and he goes, mommy, there's that stuff over there that you don't like anymore. And I was like, what, what are you talking about, buddy? Like what stuff I don't like anymore? He goes, you know, that bottle over there, it says margarita. And you don't drink that anymore. You don't drink that or the wine anymore. You don't like it anymore. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's He said, you know, because you took that ornament off the tree. Um, it says, have yourself a merry little margarita. And you you erased it and you wrote mocktail. It's like the soda. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. I don't. You're right. I don't drink that anymore. And mommy doesn't like that anymore. You're right. It's like, yeah, it's right there. And I was like, cool, buddy. And I don't know that for me, I know it was such a proud like moment that like now that's what I'm modeling for him. Not the mom who drinks at her anxiety or drinks at her emotions, but the mom who, you know, is just having the juice in the evening and is like, mommy doesn't do that anymore. And the fact that he saw that and he knew that and he... And that I'm now showing him that, you know, we can deal with our emotions. We can do the hard things. We don't have to drink at our anxiety and our emotions. Yeah, that was just the, like, this proud mom moment for me. So I love that. I think that's one of my favorite things about sobriety is just seeing how my kids react to it. And it's like a huge gift that we get to give them that not everyone gets to so I don't take it for granted yeah (laughs) well it's pretty amazing we definitely are running out of time I wish we weren't because (laughs) I could listen to you talk all day I think I could talk all day (laughs) I love it I will have to have you back on (laughs) yeah I would love to come back on my therapist says I'm a talker (laughs) all right we gotta wrap (laughs) I love it though I think maybe we'll have you back on and do like a like I loved your deep dives into the books, everything. Uh, yes, but, um, I have a lot of rage. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was one of the highlights for sure. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to follow you or like, yes, where can they find you? Yes, I'm um, Haley Conroy on Instagram at H Conroy Books is my handle. Um, H Conroy Books. So, and I post like 
Like I said, I have a whole highlight where I keep all of like my re Quitlet reviews and um, just sober stories about alcohol or sobriety and all my sober firsts are in there. I just kind of use it as like a journal in my stories, my sobriety <laughs> journal. So that's all there. Perfect. And book racks, like just for every genre too. So, And I'll link that in the show notes too, so they can easily find awesome. you. All right. Well, thank okay. you for coming on. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. It was. <laughs> Guys, if you liked today's episode, go ahead and rate and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you take a screenshot and tag us at The Retired Party Girl so we can see what episode you're listening to. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or questions, go ahead and send us a DM on Instagram or email us, Trina at TheRetiredPartyGirl.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sober Shockingly.